chapter five of the house of mystery by richard marsh this librivox recording is in the public domain a voice in the darkness so bewildered had madeline been by the sudden appearance of the most enchanting stranger that she had never paused to consider that the probabilities were a million to one that she was maud dorincourt the revelation of her identity came to her as a positive surprise maud dorincourt you you are miss dorincourt the stranger catching her skirt with either hand swept her a laughing courtesy and yours most humbly to command but i don't understand i thought you'd vanished and so i have and reappeared to you in a vision a mere transient mirage yes but i didn't see you enter the room where did you come from ah that's my secret my dear i'm full of secrets to the finger-tips i'm a thing of mystery but the most mysterious thing i ever encountered in all my born days is you may i inquire where you came from mr singleton brought me did he indeed that was kind of him and pray are there many of your sort where you came from who'll come for the bringing then madeline told her tale miss dorincourt listening open-eyed and open-mouthed bursting when the tale was told into a torrent of words my dear it's a romance a true fairy tale this morning you were a typewriter and now you're here hammering at the keys for daily bread you do hammer at them don't you isn't that the proper word a dream of loveliness like you to think of it it makes one's blood run cold talk of mystery here's one you're me and i'm you we're interchangeable it's a fact there must be some bond of union between us it can't be merely accidental we must be sisters at the very least the evidence is much stronger than in the case of box and cox henceforward i'll devote my life to proving that throughout the interstellar spaces we have been one are one and shall be one for evermore you understand i'm afraid i don't i don't either so i'll try to put it in plain english now that you are here i'll leave not a stone unturned to show that there exists a closer tie between us than a trick of likeness but i shan't be here i'm going going when where why because you have returned the need for me exists no longer if it ever did except in mrs singleton's imagination but i've not returned nothing of the kind don't i tell you i'm but a vision purely transient like one of the ghosts i've come to revisit the glimpses of the moon but i must be back before the clock strikes twelve gracious child i'm only taking a peep at things below i'm sorry to have to keep on saying it but i'm afraid 
that once more i don't understand then i'll try to make you is that door open then we'll lock it and if anyone wants to come in they can wait now sit down there and listen madeline placed herself in the indicated chair the other now standing in front of her now moving hither and thither about the room all light and life and fire the words coming from her lips like a stream of lava carrying madeline before them in their tempestuous flow what's the matter with me is that i'm bored to death to extinction born an artist which is my good fortune i've also been born into the cast of vere de vere which is my ill luck my whole frame's alive with music to the ends of my fingers and to the tips of my toes my singing voice is of a sort to entrance the angels it is quality and quantity you shall have a taste of it in a minute or two and then you shall see if that's mere bragging talk of patty and her triumphs and the ovations she's received with my face and form and voice i could and would which the world as it never has been witched as i'll prove to your entire satisfaction my dearest dear before we're either of us much older and with all this to what am i destined to become the wife of solemn serious stodgy stupid cousin conrad earl of staines i didn't find him either stodgy or stupid no how did you find him well he perhaps didn't speak more than a couple of dozen words to me but what i saw of him i liked did you then you shall marry him miss dorincourt don't miss dorincourt me as the girl says in the play call me maud or nothing to you i'm maud 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 and only maud unless you can find something nearer and dearer but seriously the affair is plain you shall marry conrad how can you say such things they say themselves the thing is evident foreordained the problem which has been tying itself into knots for years is solved you're me and i'm you each is t'other you like him he likes me which is you he'll marry you thinking he's marrying me and all will be well for you for me or for him for all of us it's obvious enough i shall see it all quite clearly when i thought it over and so will you you shall marry conrad consider that as settled but that is by the way to return to our muttons to more serious matters which is me she broke into a peal of laughter throwing out her arms with a magnificent gesture which went far to show that at any rate on the dramatic side she was not lacking behold me unappreciated misunderstood constrained to do the thing i hate to load myself with trammels which would endure my whole life long while always my soul is aching longing to be free god has not bestowed on me this great gift of song for nothing to be treated like that talent which was hidden in the napkin it was given me to share with the world to brighten its dark hours to lighten its heavy hearts to add to the sum of the divine music it contains heaven has its unresting choirs and shall i refuse to be god's chorister on earth since he has set on me the sign nay but i dare not 
if i would for i am persuaded that the great gift which he has bestowed on me is to be shared with all the world she spoke in a tone of rhapsody to madeline it seemed with the very voice of inspiration all at once she came down from the heights with a plunge to the levels the joke is that my grandmother that's the old countess she has all the money you know is almost as much of a musician as i am she loves it i believe that if she had followed the dictates of her own heart she would have lived for it but the old adam of birth has been too strong for her family family is the cry that's always ringing in her ears and she wants me to hear nothing else as well but my dear it's not to be i give you my word for that the girl suddenly sat down on the floor in front of madeline bunching up her knees so that she could clasp them with her hands my dearest madeline this house like the folks who live in it is compounded of mystery i believe that it's the oldest house in london and i'm pretty sure that it's the largest i've lived in it pretty nearly my whole life long and i doubt if i know the whole of it to-day i can quite believe it's difficult to know i lost my way coming from the music-room just now nothing's easier than to lose your way in it it's a sort of maze a kind of rabbit warren with more ways out of it than the rabbits are themselves aware of what do you mean i'll tell you this room in which we are is in the oldest part of the building once when the workmen were doing something to the fireplace they came upon a sort of shaft at the back of the chimney the use of which they could not understand since it seemed designed to give light or air or both to some part or parts unknown the discovery set me thinking i'm of an inquiring turn of mind and it occurred to me that there might be more about that shaft than met the eye during the next few months i minutely overhauled every square inch of the four walls you see about you at last my patience was rewarded i found what do you think i found a secret door a secret door no but my dearest madeline i say yes it was by a complete fluke i chanced upon it after all and although it's within a few feet of where you're sitting i'm disposed to wager a considerable sum that you won't discover it it hadn't been used so far as i could judge for centuries i had to tell no end of stories and do all sorts of things before i could get it into proper working order so resolved was i to keep my secret to myself that i brought some workmen over with me from abroad who couldn't speak a word of english and set them at it and made them do what i required without any one having the faintest inkling that they had ever set foot within the place but how did you manage it ah that's again my secret but i did and that's enough my door leads to a stairway and the stairway to a room and not a bad room either i've placed in it all sorts of things so that now it's as snug in its way which is my way as a body could desire and when i'm in it i'm as secluded and as inaccessible and as remote from human intercourse and human worries as if i were at the north pole and i really think a good deal more so for they may discover the north pole but they'll never discover me unless you were to give me away and i'm just as sure of you as i am of myself for you see you're me and i'm you i've been there a good deal of late for the worries have been pressing thick and fast 
and some nice tricks by its aid i've played on mrs singleton and now there's been an all-round rumpus they keep goading me to marry conrad or to say i will and i won't i won't never so i've taken up my abode there altogether really well as good as altogether one doesn't expect to be taken quite literally sweet but mrs singleton is in a dreadful state of mind about you she fears you've run away or done something desperate her husband's scouring london he thinks he's on your track let him think singleton's a good old soul and i love her dearly but she's not the wisest woman in the world and she's a little behind the times now you're here it'll all be plain sailing you'll keep on being me which you are and i being you will continue perched up aloft keeping a watchful eye on what is going on below but miss the other held up a warning finger maud what you suggest is out of the question i cannot continue the imposition which mrs singleton has forced rather than persuaded me to practice now my dearest be the sweet one that i know you are and the girl kneeling in front of her pressing her lips and cheeks to hers besought her with such hot eagerness and such bewitching grace that madeline unused to such cajoleries found herself unable to withstand her she did resist to the best of her ability but the impetuous petitioner drove her from point to point but you don't appreciate the difficulties of the task which you would set me already detection has come from mr fanshawe because i have not upon my finger some ring you wear it has has it she held out her left hand madeline perceiving that a time-worn wedding-ring was embedded in the firm white flesh i'm afraid i couldn't give up my ring even to hoodwink mr fanshawe but he doesn't matter anyhow i'm quite aware that he's the sort of person who wouldn't stick at a trifle but then nor would we we ought to be more than a match for him between us but that isn't all i used to think that i wasn't altogether a cowardly sort of person you're not you're as brave as a lion it's all very well for you to say so but i feel anything but lion-like when i contemplate the difficulties of the position into which you and mrs singleton are forcing me between you for instance there's this letter madeline held out the epistle which had been thrown in through the door paolo bianchi with what a flourish he writes his name how like the man that is maud read the letter through with a smile upon her face and pray of what conduct have you been guilty to call forth such a thunderbolt madeline told of the flower falling from the gallery i see and he supposes it was i who scorned his offering that's very funny isn't it i fear i fail to see the humour of the situation any more apparently than does the writer i'm afraid he has not so keen an eye for humour as i might wish it's his weakness do you know my dear he loves me with the sort of love a cold-blooded englishman could never understand if it's the sort his letter suggests i think it's just as well for the englishman he can't ah my dear you don't understand it either and yet when i consider that i am you and you are me i think that perhaps some day you may then you'll speak with other tongues for i may mention as the merest trifle i'm giving you all my confidences i never had a confidant before you cannot think what a comfort you will be to me i love him too in my own fashion you love him the man who plays the organ 
my dearest madeline you must be one of granny's brood your speech betrays you she herself could not have spoken of him with a finer a more spontaneous scorn yes my dear with the man who plays the organ by the grace of god not by rule of thumb he's a genius a musician like i am and when he plays the organ he speaks to me with the tongues of angels just as when i sing i speak to him but what a serious face you wear it's a matter of no consequence i don't fancy i love him as much as he loves me not by not by so much she stretched out her hands on either side of her as far as they would go i feel sure i can i do love to torment him so from the style in which he writes i should imagine he's rather a dangerous person to torment he is excessively he's threatened to kill me more than once maud and he means it i shouldn't be the least surprised if one day he does he gets so very mad the knowledge of the risk i'm running makes our how shall i put it communications all the sweeter i do love a dangerous man don't you to the best of my knowledge and belief i don't and that i can honestly affirm maud laughed outright she sprang to her feet you're a quaker after all you're not exactly me i never was a quaker that i'll swear but come let's go to the music-room and i'll give you a taste of the voice the world is waiting for an idea of what is meant by the music of the spheres to the music-room but suppose someone sees us as we go oh suppose if someone sees us then someone sees us that is all my dear but give me your hand we'll run they did run side by side hand in hand scampering like two young deer as fortune had it they met no one on the way they reached the oaken doors quick urged maud there's someone coming in a moment they were in and standing listening they heard footsteps pass without that was a narrow squeak it's one of the men he'd have thought there were visions about if he'd seen two miss dorincourts how dark it is it is dark you didn't expect broad day i've a box of matches in my pocket if you wish it i'll shed a light upon the scene or there's a button at your back you've only to touch it and you can have the splendors of the electric spark but for me i love the dark i love its solitude its silence its mystery when i'm in the dark i always feel nearer to heaven and to god madeline was still she found the varying moods of this strange girl bewildering come give me your hand again i will lead you i'm at home here even in egyptian blackness this place has been to me a sanctuary it is so constructed that when the doors are closed nothing that is done within can be heard without so that it has been to me a temple in which when darkness and i have had it to ourselves i have been free to pour out my soul in song take care this is the staircase which leads to the gallery here we are come to the other end where the organ is that's the place to sing only a trained instinct could have surmised with any degree of certainty whereabouts they were the darkness was unrelieved sight was useless not a glimmer of light found its way within the blackness hung over the place like a pall the girls were enshrouded by seemingly impenetrable gloom madeline finding herself pushed gently backwards discovered that that was maud's method of assisting her into a chair maud passing out of reach 
vanished into the shadows she knew not where she sat in silence wondering where she was where the other was what was going to happen all at once her heart leaped to her bosom and then stood still the blood rushed to her head her brain was in a whirl her frame quivered with a strange emotion for suddenly a sound rose through the outer darkness which seemed to her in the first flush of her surprise to be supernatural maud was singing madeline had supposed when the other had been dilating on the rare qualities of the gift of song which had been bestowed on her that the girl was something of a braggart in that instant she knew better the circumstances were propitious the strangeness of the situation the spice of adventure which was in the air the romantic nature of the surroundings these things like an effective stage setting were in favour of the singer but in the presence of that voice they were as nothings the words the voice of one crying in the wilderness ring down the ages they convey to the mind a picture of something indescribably pathetic solemn dramatic but here was the voice of one singing in the night and such a voice within it something that was hardly human sweet clear penetrating a celestial melody it rose at first softly breathing through the gloom a miraculous suggestion of coming harmonies then it swelled and grew and soared higher and higher more and more till the very building its every corner filled by it to straining point seemed to quiver with the rapture of the song what she sang madeline did not know nor stopped to think nor cared it was the music of that voice which caused her eyes to overflow with the passion of her tears the voice was still she sat trembling wringing her hands crying as if her heart-strings had been rent then it came again and she ceased to cry for this time it sang some merry air told of joyous happenings of sunlit skies and festal hours and the gloom was lighted madeline beheld before her as in some strange fantastic dear delightful vision an illustration of the singer's theme and it brought brightness to her eyes smiles to her lips lightness to her heart a rare tremblement of ecstasy to her enraptured frame so that her toes and fingers tingled and her whole body quivered with a delicious sense of peace and life and pleasure once more the voice was hushed when it was raised again it was in the singing of a hymn one of those which constant association has made as it were part and parcel of the life of so large a proportion of the english-speaking peoples madeline had heard it in her infancy had sung it in her baby treble had grown up with it ringing in her ears associating it with her better moments and purer thoughts until it had become knitted into the fibre of her being and become a synonym for thoughts of heaven but never had she realized how vibrant it might become with angel voices until it rose from the unseen singer's lips an arrow of song seeming to cleave the gloom and to bring flooding down a shaft of glory from the presence chamber of the most high madeline would have fallen on to her knees had she been able but she could not she could but sit motionless trembling with awe and reverence as if the place in which she was was holy ground the hymn was sung to an end the last notes died away lingering lovingly as if the enraptured air was reluctant to let them go 
silence followed which was broken by a very human voice indeed it was a man's a foreigner's and seemed to madeline to come from close to where she was sitting his english was peculiar but he spoke with such a sincerity of passion that its oddity for the moment passed unnoticed what a gift what a voice what a power oh heaven what a soul you do with me as you will oh yes altogether you make me laugh you make me cry if you wish it with your singing you make me cry so that my heart shall break yes it is true but i say nothing i am content to die born to the grave by the raptures of your song maud there was a pause as if the speaker was waiting for an answer to his personal interrogation none came he tried again maud where are you maud do not play with me do not tease me do not torment me just now after singing like one of god's own angels yes indeed my life my soul my all speak to me stillness again madeline could hear the speaker moving as if he was searching cautiously as best he could in the prevailing darkness for the invisible singer why do you hide yourself do not hide yourself from me i beseech you not to if you could but know how my heart is hungry what would i not give to feel your presence near me to touch your hand my angel my beloved one how can you be so unkind so cruel maud it was plain from his tone that his search was proving as unavailing as his supplications presently madeline heard something proceeding from his lips which although it was not in english hardly sounded like a benediction all at once there was a flash of light he had illumined the solitary electric lamp which cast a glow upon the keyboard of the organ he stood within four or five feet of madeline the light shining full upon his face she recognizing in him the organist who had allowed the lily to fall over the gallery's edge although so close to him her seat was in the shadow at the back of him his eyes never wandered once in her direction travelling round the building in search of the recalcitrant maud ah i see you do not think to conceal yourself i see you plain why do you run away from me what have i done that you should seem to be afraid am i a thing of evil no not so i am the man that adores you more than all the world besides who offers you a life's devotion why then accord to me such usage maud for answer there came from the opposite gallery a burst of song the opening words of the air robert toi que j'aime followed by a burst of laughter the gentleman replied in kind singing in what was probably italian something with the meaning of which madeline was wholly unacquainted the lady continuing to carry out her role sang back to him something whose burden was so little to his taste that he cut her short in a torrent of passionate exclamations no no you shall not say that it is not to be borne no 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 are you then of so cruel a nature of so cold a heart it is not to be believed never never this time the lady condescended to reply to him in her ordinary speaking tones and in intelligible english her voice having in it a ring of mockery as it floated across the building my dear bianchi how comical you are the accusation seemed to anger him comical how am i comical how so it is then comical to behold a man whose heart is broken who is dying before your eyes yes by inches but why are you dying and who are you dying for cruel 
as if you did not know how can you treat me so my beautiful loveliest of women do you not know what is in my heart for you what a strength of adoration what a depth of devotion how i live for you work for you hope for you for you only how my love for you is as a consuming fire but englishmen don't love like that ah englishmen bah what do they know of love englishmen they are as cold as their own skies he spoke with a degree and a force of contempt which caused madeline to positively start but my dear bianchi you forget who i am forget no never that i never do sleeping or waking working or dreaming when i play it is to you when i compose it is from you the inspiration comes until i am dead and cold never for an instant shall you be forgotten i shall bear your memory with me across the grave not only do you forget who i am but you forget who you are after all you are only the man who plays the organ madeline recognized her own words they floated towards her through the darkness aflame with a malicious insolence which scorched her cheeks to her surprise he received them as a compliment well what would you have more i am he who breathes life into a beautiful dead soul that lies buried in the metal and the wood you are a musician and i is not that enough for you as for me i ask from god no more and that absurd letter of yours which you were so kind as to throw into my face i did not throw it in your face then some one did am i to cherish every flower you choose to tumble at my feet at the risk of being bullied it's too ridiculous is not a flower from you to me a sacred thing because i love you if then you love me why do you scorn my flowers suppose i care for neither is it that indeed you play with me my dear bianchi i really find you most amusing don't scream at me like that do you think i'll be afraid of you do you suppose that i am not aware that the threats of which you are so fond are merely elementary examples of italian humour you're not the sort of person to hurt any one not you i will kill you if you press me too far i swear it then kill me now there was a ripple of laughter a ledge ran round the top of the front of the gallery forming a sort of shelf madeline peering through the obscurity perceived that maud had leaped upon it she could see her tall figure dimly outlined against the fall-like background she began to run swiftly along towards where bianchi stood madeline watching with her heart in her mouth fearing every instant she would fall something of the same feeling seemed to actuate the man stop where you are he cried not i i am coming to be killed why you coward you are a coward after all kill me if you dare he had hastened towards her exactly what happened in the darkness it was impossible to tell but madeline realized that he reached her and that at the same instant she disappeared falling over the edge with a cry into the hall beneath End of chapter five